time for a revolution. It's time for it's time to find a way up. Right. Patrick Young, what's your revolution? Uh, the revolution is this idea that there has been this issue of transition from people who were formerly incarcerated and now really starting uh, their lives back over. A lot of people are looking, you know, what this pandemic has done for people, how it's made people rethink their finances and economics and stuff like that. But when you think about the incarcerated population, it's not really the highest topic, right? Everybody's not going straight to people incarcerated and how they're going to get their livelihood when your own personal livelihood is being threatened because of economics. Can I have your attention for a moment? What's good, Revolution? Welcome to the What's Your Revolution show, a show for men and the people who love them, where we discuss how people can find and embrace the revolution within themselves. I am your host, Dr. Charles Corbett. What's good, revolutionaries? I hope all is well with you and that you are doing your thing and that you are moving along your revolution. That's what we do here. We think about change. We think about change within ourselves. We think about change within our communities. And then we think about change and what it looks like in the world. As my man, Thomas Drew, talks about, your revolution should not just be for yourself. Your revolution should be for someone else. Someone else. Listen to that. As you think about answering that wonderful question, what we think is the most thought-provoking question, it is not for you to just be answering that question for yourself. And so thinking about this, right, how does your answer look for your children, look for your community members, for your cousins, for your family members, for anybody else that needs a beacon of light, you can be the revolution for them. So think about that as you're moving through your spaces, as we move through this year as revolutionary people, right? Shout out to our folks in Ukraine, right? Who are fighting, who are fighting, right? The revolution, right? They're trying not to make sure that a, uh, a tyrant comes in and takes over their country. So shout out to those folks who are fighting vehemently about saving their lives and their country because they are true revolutionaries. I'm fortunate to always bring someone that I know and respect, right? That I have admiration for. Uh, my New Orleanians folks are always at the core of my heart, right? And I met this brother a number of years ago. He's actually, this is the second time that he has actually been on the What's Your Revolution show. He was actually one of the first guests, one of our inaugural guests on the What's Your Revolution radio show on WBOK back in 2017. But this brother has blown up even more since then. And I want to introduce to our new folks, right? Those who don't know this brother and those who do, Patrick Young. And I, I want to introduce him now as author of A Way Up, Patrick Young. This brother has done so much, right? If you really want to go in and hear his story, make sure you go check out the 2017 episode of telling his story of, uh, of who he is and what he's done in the world. And we'll get to that a little bit for our new folks, but Patrick, what's good, brother? How are you? Oh man, it's, it's Friday. I'm trying to win a lottery. So, uh, <laughs> hey man. Hey man, hold on. I'm about to go buy my tickets myself. <laughs> I tell people I got three good dollars every day, but <laughs> just three. For, for just the lottery. Just the lottery, just the lottery, man. So, um, but that's it, man. Life is great, man. Can't can't complain at all. Glad to be back, man. It, it is good, you know, and and it is good to have you back. And 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 just thinking about who you are, I want people to know. So I'm just go ahead and get it out, man. Patrick Young, author, new author, right? Bestseller. It's gonna be a bestseller, brother. I, I want people to go out and make sure you're buying a way up, and we'll talk about where it is. But Patrick Young, what's your revolution? Uh, the revolution is, uh, for me right now, is actually this this idea um, that there has been this issue of transition from people who were formerly incarcerated and now really starting uh, their lives back over. A lot of people are looking, you know, what this pandemic has done for people, how it's made people rethink their finances and economics and stuff like that. But when you think about the incarcerated population, it's not really the highest topic, right? Everybody's not going straight to people incarcerated and how they're going to get their livelihood right. when your own personal livelihood is being threatened because of economics. And so what I did was I finally wrote this book 
a way up and it parallels prison and poverty and showing that most people are in prison because of poverty. And so when you're released from prison, you go back into the poverty, right. which brought you there to begin with. And so you're stuck in this cycle of prison and poverty, prison and poverty. And the goal of this book is to be a toolkit to find people out of poverty. So to really get out of prison, you have to get out of poverty. So you have to find a way up, not just a way out. Mm -hmm. And it's been really good because there's a best practice, uh, Charles, that people are missing. So the military has a version of this called TED, Transition Economic Development. Mm -hmm. so no, no matter which military branch you're in, you must take this economic development course in order for you to be discharged from the military. Well, the outcomes have been veterans are the largest group of homeowners. They have a high percentage of business ownership. And so if that's the best practice, then why not apply these same principles to people who are incarcerated? So I wrote the first version of that for people dealing in institutions because what prisoners, uh, people who are with convictions, you're 10 times as likely to be homeless. And then you don't even register as far as business ownership or home ownership if you have a conviction. I mean, the number is so low that it's not even registering. And so, so now, so that's the thing. Why don't we have a new revolution where we think about economic development post-incarceration, right? Many people want people to transition, get their lives back together, start all over again. And it's great. And the first thing is you say, you need a job, all right? But if I get a job, and I don't have access to resources or capital, or I get the money and I don't know what to do with that check, guess what happens, right? If I don't have the literacy or the financial management to understand how to pay these parole fees, how to take care of uh, housing needs, I'm gonna be stuck in the same predicament that I was in before. And then when I go to banks for loans, for housing or for rent or to get the transportation, I'm denied. You don't have those access. Similar again, the military has USAA, Navy Federal and all those places. But who's first in line to say, hey, we have startup accounts for people with convictions? Currently, you don't have any financial institution. So this is to bring a new discussion to the world of reform and dealing with people who are formerly incarcerated. So, man, that's the revolution I'm fighting right now for this economic mm. equality for people with convictions. Wow. Wow. I, what I love, right, about that, Patrick, is the analogy about our military right and, and coming out right and thinking about you know how we laud our military right and and, and we've seen what's been going on in, in in the world over the last five years about the military and the, the american flag and all the all all the things but in essence all we really are at the bare at the bare essential of who we are patrick is that we're humans right right we, we are humans and part of being human is being able to have an existence that allows us to thrive. And it's interesting that we laud our military. We're not comparing and people make mistakes, right? People have challenges in life. I'm sure once you read a way up, you'll understand the challenges of Patrick. Um, but it doesn't mean that the word as you, I, I remember saying this and it stayed in my mind from our first conversation, right? Right. We are not the worst thing that we've done in our lives. Right. And thinking about that, how how if, if people want to come out in the world and they want to have a revolution within themselves, within their hearts and their minds and the communities. But if the means are not there, right, if the opportunity is not there. Right. And we'll get into this conversation of generational wealth in a second. But thinking about that, what it, what it means to create generational wealth from where we from where we've come. So that's what I love about the revolution, right? And thinking about that, we do this. We have a roadmap of what it looks like when people want to transition out. And I think that we have to get out of the stigma of saying you have been incarcerated and that you're a bad person. And moving, right. into, moving into this space of saying you have been rehabilitated and then you can move back, right? You can move back into the world. You're still human. And I think that we have to think about this. But before we pull into the book and get into that, right, I still think that our folks need to hear a little bit about your story, right? They need to oh, know a little okay. bit more about Patrick Young, right? And you can go and listen to that early episode, but just give us the, give us the snippets, right? Because it, it will allow us to bring back the story about why a way up is so important to you. Who is Patrick Young and why is your story leading you to this? 
No. So for me, I just look at it as a vessel of proof of concept. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes you may have an idea of, of correction and something that can work, but then you need the, the proof to, to substantiate or validate what you're thinking. And so for me, I grew up from New Orleans. Uh, my mother raised four boys alone. Uh, my oldest brother uh, went to the military. My second oldest brother, uh, he wound up getting murdered. And by him getting murdered, that triggered, you know, my reaction to where I just fell into a deep depression, downward spiral, pretty lost identity and way. And I then ended in, in a situation where I was arrested for armed robbery. The judge offered me 65 years as a first offender with no prize, no convictions. Um, had the 65 years broken to 15. I did 13 years and nine months in uh, Department of Correction. Uh, released in 2012, and then now, 10 years later, uh, I'm the first director of gun violence prevention for the mayor's office in New Orleans. Uh, previous work experience was working with the New Orleans Business Alliance as the first training director. Um, I oversaw Urban League TCA Job One and Goodwill. In three years, I got 890 people employed, 670 were formerly incarcerated. Um, I launched my own nonprofit called Sharp, which does professional attire for men. Uh, it's a male equivalent to Dress for Success. Uh, I launched my own LLC, Raise Your Bar, and then now um, releasing my first book, A Way Up. Um, great international, national success with the Kellogg Foundation, as far as a Kellogg fellow with a second cohort at Kellogg Foundation. And so it's been like, when we say that change is possible and you talk about that revolution, we talk about getting out of that fight. Sometimes that revolution isn't one that's uh, external. It's one, it's an internal revolution, right? Where you have to fight your old self to be your new self. Mm. And so a personal revolution is me coming out of that old way of thinking and producing this new way of ideas and creativity. And so, not trying to be what somebody else wanted to be or me trying to be my brother or anything else, but me fighting to be me. And so the revolution was for me to present me and not what people wanted you to be, you know? And so um, who I am right now is just my fullness of understanding my self-awareness, my abilities and giving back all those contributions and gifts that I have. Yeah, brother. No, that is, it is a powerful story. And, and, and thinking about, the road that you have been on. And what I want people to really realize is that our past does not dictate our future. We don't have to allow the things that we've done in the past, right? To say that I can't be a multimillionaire, I I can't be an author, or I can't lead uh, an initiative at a major city within the United States, right? Because of my past. Right. Because of the right. because of the decisions that I made, it is it is the decisions and the internal work that we have to do daily is what I hear from you, Patrick, that allows us to get to these right. These alternate stations or these different stations or these manifestations that, you know, we think about. You think about this, right, because I'm sure there are many people who have been incarcerated, Patrick. Right. And your, your book talks about this that have gone back. Right. The recidivism rate is, is extremely high and it's extremely high, particularly for black men. But what this story of and, I, and you tell me if I'm wrong, Patrick, is it a story of resilience? Right. Is, is, is it a story of resilience or is it a story of fortitude? Is it a story of mental mindset? What's, what's the story that gets Patrick to be right? And I'm going to put it out there. Best selling author. Um, again, it's, it's being able to provide proof of concept. Um, this, this work is like following. So if, if we were saying, Charles, I need you to meet me in Atlanta and you put it in Google, Google's going to give you uh, a destination, whether you ride by plane, car, bike, or you walking, and it's going to attach not only uh, a path or a direction, it's going to give you a time component. And so how long does it take you to get from where you are to where you want to be? And so for me, I had to do my own internal GPS of where I am and where I want to be and how long do I want it to take? Is it going to take a year, 10 years or whatever? But I have to first take the first step. 
And so the realization of I'm not comfortable where I am is the first part. You have to recognize that where you are is not where you want to be. And then two, be specific about where you want to go and then logically put a time to it and move in that effort. Um, and like you notice it sometimes if you change, of course, they say no rerouting, redirecting, right? You have to also stay focused on where you're trying to go. And so for me, right. it's been let's move in a direction of where we want to be, not just talking about it. Many people say, oh, I want to go on vacation. Book the ticket. <laughs> Book the ticket. <laughs> Book the ticket, right? And so instead of saying, I want to go, I am going. Um, and so and so for me, it's just been moving with, with intentionality. I read uh, one of my favorite books is 15 Laws of Growth by John Maxwell. Mm-hmm. And the first law is the law of intentionality, right? So being intentional about everything, our mindset, the things we want to accomplish, where we want to go, and making those moves, strategic moves, not just moving because that's any which way the wind blows, you know? It, 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 it's hard when you give the master class in the first 15 minutes of the, of the show, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, no, but, no. no it, 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 and yes, yes, I'm saying yes, and I'm saying yes because we think about this. And I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to keep coming back to this theme because if we put the GPS in, if, if we put in the wrong direction, right, or we, or, or we don't put in, like, things that are outside of our, right, just right outside of our grasp, right? Those really right. extremely lofty things are somewhat difficult, but right outside of our grasp, right, and we need some support to get there. But the GPS, right, like, like you said, the, the GPS, right, put it in the GPS, Book the ticket, right? Think about what self-growth is for you. And I think the last thing and, and what I've said and what I've seen in you, you know, is since I met you is, is what is the identity that I want to have? Do I want to be an author, right? Do I want to be a millionaire? Do I want to be a husband and spouse? Do I want to be a good father? Is that when we begin to identify with those things, we begin the, the GPS says, okay, you want to identify with those things? I'm going to move you in that direction. But you can identify with other things and the GPS is going to take you in those directions. And, and, and if you know Patrick Young, right, you know that brother wants to exceed, excel. He wants to be the best version of himself and will find the mechanisms to do that. Brother, I remember one conversation we had. I met you at Strive one day and we were just talking it might have been one of the first times that we had met and you asked me this question he was like you know he said you show me your phone and (laughs) yeah show show me your phone and i was like okay he was like when was the last time you updated your phone i was like well you know when there's an updated automatically he was he was like when was the last time you updated your mind right and 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 phones get updates all the time but we don't think about updating our mind. And the brother just told you that he read the 15 laws of growth by John Maxwell. That's the updates that we have to have. Thinking of, thinking about that is that if we're going to continually grow into who we want to be, we have to continually update who we are and identify that. So, brother, I, I, I appreciated that that day. And, I, and you gave me a Harvard Business Review uh, magazine that day. I, I still have it. You know, right. I, I still have it. And I still read it. But let's move back to the book, right? So we we understand who Patrick Young is and how he got here. But you talk about right this roadmap of economic development. Why is it that many of our brothers and sisters who come out of jail, who have been incarcerated, go back into poverty? Um, so the the greatest, um, the, the the simple answer is, how can you want something you haven't learned? Right? I want to be a pilot, but I never learned how to fly a plane. Right? But I am just keep saying I want it. So if you say you want um, to be successful, wealthy, and a business owner and rich, but you haven't learned the process that it takes to accomplish those things. And so we have been conditioned to accept the same. Like if you're from New Orleans, I'm staying in New Orleans, I love New Orleans, and you're tied to it. And so similar to if you have a plant, no matter how much you water that plant or feed that plant in that same pot, eventually it'll start to die because it's outgrown that space and it needs to be 
replot and replant it in a bigger space in order for it to grow. Many times people get stuck in the same place and it's fed and it's watered, but it hasn't grown and it begins to die in the place in which it came from. And so when we think about poverty and how it applies to the people in uh, in prison, it's been systematic for a while, right? And so even after slavery, people, there was a celebration, okay, slavery is over, but there was no economic equality. Right. There was no uh, plantations given where people can start to thrive and build and work for their own. Um, there's a, a book that discusses how many people died after slavery ended just because of hunger. And then you created all these policies, again, vagabond laws, Jim Crow laws that put people back in bondage, right? That was, again, in World War II, when they redlining in a situation where white veterans were giving access to housing, loans, and resources, but black families weren't. And so instead of them getting uh, a way to provide means and home ownership, they were given the ghetto. And so those ghettos was kind of keeping them in, again, that rental, no ownership. And so when you have situations like Black Wall Street and that's destroyed, there's no evidence you haven't learned economic development in our community. Not just for people who are incarcerated, but just as a people, we don't have a big pull on economic development, or understanding of what's needed for collective ownership. And so when you are released, you don't get the access to the bank. You don't get the opportunity to just go in and get a loan to provide a house. You don't get the same loan to get transportation. You don't get the loan to start your own business. And so if you don't have those access to those resources, then you go back to what you know. And so going back to what you know is getting somebody to maybe front you some drugs, right? You sell the drugs, you bring it back. That's the whole system of credit right there. Right. Mm. But if I can't get it legally, then I have to do it illegally. If you watch the whole show Power, Power was about a guy who just wanted to get out the drug game and start his own little nightclub. But because of his past and him not being able to get access to capital, he got to go through all these other routes just to get his nightclub off. Just to live, just to live his dream. Just to live his dream. And so um, I am tied to the belief. Again, let's let's use proof of concept. Um, Harriet Tubman was. We talk about Harriet Tubman as if the spirit of Harriet Tubman can't be replicated, right? She found a way out by moving up. And she brought people from out of slavery and brought them into prosperity. And she was like, you know what? I'm not just going to settle enough like this just for me. Harriet safe. I'm going to go back right. and try to bring as many people up as I can, right? And so when we celebrate her and her accomplishment, well, she can live on if I got the same spirit of Harriet and going back and get the people who I knew that's still incarcerated, changing their mindset and giving them a railroad to freedom through mm -hmm. economics. And so yes. the, the same way with you, Dr. Charles, to say, hey, listen, I'm going to go back because of my own personal revolution and escapism. I can show other people how to win their revolution by going back. We keep those spirits alive and that thing alive to where, no, it's not just a one-month celebration or just something to say, oh, I know Harriet Tubman. No, those ancestors live with us. Those spirits live with us. It's on us to choose to be brave enough to go back and bring people forward. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. One key thing that you said, Patrick, is that, you know, we talk about redlining back in the 40s and 50s. As you know, you know, Kellogg has taught us the greatest transfer of wealth has been happening because of that redlining, right? You know, and our brother. That one thing. Go ahead, Doc. That one thing. No, I'm agreeing. I'm just agreeing. I'm just agreeing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And I'm thinking about, you know, um, our brother Andre, Dr. Andre Perry, right? In his, in his book, Know Your Worth, right? And how he traces uh, roots of his father around some of the, you know, uh, some of the major cities around the country and how redlining and uh, evaluations or devaluations of homes have stymied our ability, right? Or some people's ability, right? To have generational wealth. Thinking about this greatest transfer of wealth that has been happening where people bought homes in the 40s and 50s. And you think about what's going on in the real estate market now, those, ex those homes have 10X, 15X, 20X times 
the amount of the home was purchased for and thinking about the ability just to refinance the home, not even lose the home or sell the home and to pull all that capital out to allow you to go in and buy other homes and, and to invest in stocks and to all the different things. And, uh, you know, as Billy and, 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 and Rachel go get married right here, here's the money and not even thinking about it. We've potentially missed out on trillions of dollars in valuation just because of redlining. Right. And, and thinking about and, and thinking about that. And so how do we now and hopefully how do we now see through your book? Right. I'm coming out of incarceration and maybe this is not just a book. Right. For people who are formerly incarcerated. This this is a strategic plan for all of us. Right. To say as as I look through and how to create generational wealth there's an opportunity to read a way up and say, okay, this is a strategy that actually benefits me as well. I think that's, that's the thing. How do you see that? How do you see a way up being, you know, an alchemist or things like that, that is a well-read book by everyone to say, I can actually transform and revolutionize how I think about generational wealth from your book. Um, I'm always going to use the same words, proof of concept. Like we we not try to make this complicated at all. In the 1920s, women, you know, had barriers to employment because there was a society that said women, you know, it wasn't accessible like for women to work. Right. It, it wasn't appropriate. So at one time there was policies that prevented women from working. And then from the say 1920s to the 1970s, oh, we're going to discriminate against Negroes. Right. We don't want colored people working and being in certain places. And then in 20. Uh, 2008, we don't want people with disabilities to have certain access to employment. And then in 2015, people who are transgendered or who have different sexual orientations. So we've built this country on certain biases and discrimination. So now it's okay. We went through the women, African-Americans, disabilities and transgender. So now the new group of discrimination is people with convictions that we're going to stick with those guys. Right. And following that, I tell people. The aliens gonna be next. The blue people gonna have it hard, right? Because we build a society on discriminating against people with differences. But the same thing applies, Charles, is that the women wanted to work to provide for their families. Right. African Americans wanted to work to provide for their families. People with disabilities wanted to work to provide for their families. People with different sexual orientations just want to provide for their families. You don't think someone who is incarcerated want to get out and give back and provide for their families, right? And so we have to move one beyond just the discussion of DEI and diversity and inclusion and say, no, let us have a welcoming and show people a way on how to restart so they could be productive, right? But then again, there is a, a business in prison Right. It wouldn't be called an enterprise if it wasn't producing a profit. Mm. And so we have to look at is the system broken or is it working like it's designed? It's working like it All should. Right? It's working exactly like it should. And so if economics is what's destroying, then economics needs to be this tool that's used to fix it. And so we have to teach people that there is a way that you can economically remove yourself from poverty which ultimately will remove you from prison. Right. And I, th I would think, I, I would think, Patrick, the first step from removing yourself from poverty is removing a poverty or deficit mindset. Oh, that's, the, that's, that's where we start. Self-awareness <laughs> is the key. You got to know yourself first. And because I think the challenges, and I talk about that in the book, is that, all right, uh, again, my, I'm going to use this quote, to thine own self be true, and it shall follow right. the days and night, so you shall be false to no man. The first part about this, don't just read this book to be like, ah, it's a great book and stuff like this. If you're not willing to change, man, everything else doesn't even matter, right? If you want to stay in the same predicament, then put the book down and, and walk away, right? And, and so it's it's you being honest with you and being true to yourself because in prison you could be whatever you want typically people say oh i don't want to use my government name so they they adopt these characters in these masks killer soldier you know dr c right i'm gonna be whatever 
in it, and it's Monica. So it's like a, a, the wrestling match and the music industry all in one. Um, but at some point, you have to come to yourself and be true to yourself and say, you know what? This isn't who I am. This is not who I want to be. And I want to be something better. But typically, people don't know the how. Right. And so if you haven't, again, if you, you can't want something that you haven't learned. So how? And so this book is really a step by step guide of some things that have worked for me. And I give example over other 52 other people who were formerly incarcerated who have transitioned into success. I give those life examples to say, hey, listen, this is a pattern that we can use an algorithm of success. There are some similarities with all these stories of people who have become successful after incarceration, follow the path, follow the strategy, follow the path. Right? And in that, huh? No, I, I was just saying the, 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 the five people around you will show you who you are. Follow, right. follow the path. Yeah, exactly. Um, the coach, uh, Nick Saban, coach in Alabama, right? Every year he's in the top discussion for his football team. Mm-hmm. Every year. And there's a sign if you go to Alabama, you look on the wall in the locker room, it says um, the separation is in the preparation, meaning that they prepare a certain way that's going to separate them from the people who are playing and the people who are winning. And so there's a separation between people who are winning post-incarceration and the people that's not. And it's the preparation for the work. I mean, it's not easy. I don't I don't make no. No pause about this is being easy. But you got to prepare for this battle. Right. And what does so, that look like? What does that look like? And, and, and I'm sure, you know, as, as our revolutionaries look through this. Right. But give us a tease. What does that look like? The preparation. Right. You're you're coming out. Right. And and, and, and you're coming out of incarceration. Or you're, you're coming out of a you're coming out of a bad marriage. You're coming out of a bad relationship. You're coming out of something that. Right. Right. It's tumultuous. Right. It has caused chaos in your life. What does that look like to prepare for this next step of your life? Um, this I say I, I love that you ask that question because I'm always go to my my favorite analogy is where people always say, "Oh, it's chess, not checkers." But you got to know how to play chess. Don't just say it's chess, not checkers. You got to know how to play chess. And understanding playing chess is that you have to have before you start the game, you get sixteen pieces, right? And a lot of times people want to do this work alone and i tell people all the time get as much help as you can get Uh, whether it's getting a therapist whether it's just getting a friend that's been doing it before whether it's getting a a mentor um you need to have your pieces on the board before you make any move so you need to understand housing transportation employment like what's going to really change your condition of being and stop trying to go at this life alone as if you can do everything alone it's not designed like that and you use these phrases, oh, it's chess, not checkers. It's, no, it's not. Because the chess pieces don't work alone. Even if we're playing football, the quarterback has players on a team. Their play is designed to reach the touchdown. The touchdown is often called a goal. You can't win a football game if you don't reach your goal. But also recognizing on the other side of the field as a defense, there are people that's designed and like to stop you from reaching your goals. All these things that we see, it's not – just intangible, but reality is showing us that if we just pay attention to the way the game is designed and apply it to ourselves, we cannot do it alone, but identifying who's really for you and who's against you. And then that way, as you move towards reaching your goals, you'll have a strategy. You'll have a play. I tell people, uh, football, to reach a touchdown, you got at least 400 plays designed. Right. To, but to make a touchdown or a field goal, there are at least 400 plays every NFL team has in order to make a touchdown. So when you tell me you're getting out of prison with one play, this, this is it's not logical. It's not. You logical. Know? It's not logical because that one play, if there is one defensive stop, you don't reach your goal. And so it's not success looks different from everybody, but we can agree with failure. Failure is your inability to reach your goals. And so we have to find out, one, who's for you and who's against you. Laying out this plan and then moving with those strategies, working that plan 
step by step, play by play, reaching those goals over and over again, continuously, then we begin to move. But to think that you know it all and you got everything figured out, you're wrong. You know, I tap in the one thing I did was continual reading, continual learning, ask advice. That's really how me and you met, you know, yeah. sit down to meet other people, mentors that give me the game. Let me soak it up, but let me make the adjustments with the learning. Right. No, we, we have to be students. No. And, and and humbling yourself to be the student, then the learning will grow you into a greater leader, you know, and so um that's the first thing, though, really just sitting down having that real true self-talk. And we don't get it often. I didn't have a father to sit down with me, right? I didn't have um, a lot of male examples of what to do right in opposed of a lot of examples of how to get into some bullshit. And so we have to unlearn some of that negative stuff and really get underneath some people that's doing some great things and not hate on it, but say, man, can you teach me? Can you learn? Yeah. You know, can I learn from you? Yes. Like the way you just took time to sit down with me when you was doing your thing, right? It's not saying that you didn't have anything else going on, but you had enough patience to sit down with me and say, hey, bro, you know, here's some stuff. Here's some things you need to work on. Uh, give me some good criticism, but also good encouragement. We don't often get that. Yeah. And so along the way, along the journey, yeah, it could get, it could get weary. You could get tiresome. And so it's important, again, to have some pieces in your life that really can support you, not just, and support doesn't mean resources financially, right? Support means giving you, you know, giving you the hard talk, but giving you good direct, yeah, you're going the right way. You're moving in the right direction. You know, keep it up and stuff like that in opposed to saying, man, don't worry about that. Just come over here and get this work. Now, we, right. we we need to have those people around. And I love and I, I appreciate that and thinking about that as you prepare, right, for your chess mess, this chess mess of life and, and how the pieces work together. I used to play chess uh, when I was coaching baseball on game day so I could have my mind ready. Right. Mm-hmm. How could I how could I use my players at the right time? Right. How could I call the right pitch? Like you said, 400 plays. Right. 400 scenarios. Who was I moving in and out? How was I writing the lineup, right? Thinking about my mind was queued up. So when I got to game day, I was prepared. My players knew that, oh, he played chess today. We, look, Coach Corpru played chess today. We know we're going to be all right. I know he's going to put us in the right space. And, and, and that's the thing, right? That, that's the wonderful thing. If you are prepared, right, sitting down and having a map, I, I you know, I got a subscription to Masterclass. And, you know, um, I can't think of the sister's name now. Um, she is the former former uh, editor of Teen Vogue. Um, and what she talked about is, is, is creating this mind map, right? This preparation as you're talking about. And I, as I think about my uh, my exit from my, my favorite place, Camelback Ventures, right? Moving into another space, I had to create this mind map to say, what, what is Charles Corporate and what's your, revolu- what's your revolution look like? And what are all the skills and talents that I can provide to the world? The book, the podcast and TV show, this voice that everybody keeps telling me, like, what, what are you doing with that voice? I love that voice. We got we to gotta get, get that voice out there to the world. All the things to be able to monetize Charles Corporate, Dr. Charles Corporate and what's your revolution? And then who do I need to bring in? Like you said, Patrick, who needs to be a part of this process? Because we only have one or two zones of genius and how zone is right. Who else can we support? So I I love that in thinking about whether it's coming out of incarceration or coming out of a a, a job because you're leaving or coming out of a relationship, coming out of something, being self-aware and understanding who are the pieces and people that you need. I, I, I love that. One of the things, because, you know, we, we get to this conversation, our time will start to run short, is abundance versus deficit mindset. I think that is also a part of this. Speak to that, right, dear brother, because I know uh, I spend a lot of time talking uh, and listening to Wall Street Trapper. And, you know, he talks about this abundance and, and, and deficit mindset, formerly incarcerated himself. 
What does that mean, right? A, a, a way up. How can you shift from a deficit mindset to an abundant mindset to make sure that you're going out and moving up instead of back? Place value. So I'm gonna hit you with another one. I love the. I love this. You know, I love my little analogies. I keep teeing right? up. Teeing them I up for you. Love my analogies, right? So right after, um, and I think I told you this one before, but right after. In, in school, you learn the alphabet, right? And you learn your numbers. And one of the next lessons that you normally is taught is place value. You know, it does an order, ones, tens, hundreds, ten thousands, hundreds, stuff like that, square. And then what we figure out is that where something place, that thing has that value. You catch that, where something is placed, it has a value. Right. So someone that lives in the projects and versus somebody that lives in St. Charles, right? Where we live, it doesn't have the same value as the person that lives on St. Charles and one right. of these areas, right? And so you grow up with a mindset of the place in which I have doesn't have value. So guess what? Therefore, I have no value. And mm -hmm. because I have no value, I can devalue others. So it's easy for me to say I want to destroy something that looks like me because we don't have any value. Matter of fact, the Constitution said we was a percentage. So we're less than a percentage of that. And so it puts us at a decimal, a fraction of what's considered whole. So we're fighting just to get whole to remove the place value where we're placed. That whole self-value and self-esteem is so important because it doesn't matter where you're placed. You hold value. You were created whole, right? And so the learning and conditioning has taught you to devalue yourself just because of where you're from oh you're from new orleans oh you must be this way mm. oh you're from calabasas so you assume oh you have value this way oh i went to harvard right so my intelligence value must be this compared to someone who leaves incarceration oh you you was locked up your value is decreased right and they don't get to know the person they just know the place yeah. and so that's where we have these ideas of uh deficit versus abundance Right. It doesn't mean as soon as you reach a certain status economically, oh, I got to move out the hood. If the hood had no value, we wouldn't have a word called gentrification. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so we are tricked into conditioning. And, and I, I mean, part of the debate we've been having this debate, W.B. Du Bois and Booker T. Washington are from slavery and the soul of black folks. And so Booker T was saying, you know, we need to start where we are on what right. we have, move up from slavery, right? And W.D. Boyce was like, nah, let's just go. If the value is over there, then let's go over there. And we see that because we say, oh, in order for you to get a great education, you got to go to a white school. And you tell your kids, oh, he goes to a good school, right? Or you mm -hmm. move into a new neighborhood where there are other white people and say, oh, I live in a good neighborhood because in this place we have more white people right and so what does that does internally to that person you begin to say assimilate that good is what others and not good is not what self right and so in that deficit training that we have i can't accept abundance unless i look like a beat like somebody else right and so um that's my grasp on is that Again, that's why we start off with this self-awareness of who you are. And that's why I said you have to first know where you are and where you want to go. You got to, you know, you can't just say, I want to go to Atlanta. Even if you put that in a GPS, they're going to say, well, where are you now? Because I need to set the destination from where you are now to where you want to go. Right. Right. And so where are you now? Are you in abundance or deficit right now? What's the reality of your situation right now? How much money do you have right now? Right. And then now we can move to the places that you want to be. But we have to be recognizing that the place has nothing to do with you. It's the person. It and is. Value yourself. And, 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 and you can't let anybody devalue you or devalue your thinking. You can be as great as you want to be, you know, so. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And the reason why I asked, you know, my mother and I are going through this this conversation about wealth. 
and the generational wealth is a is, is becoming a common term, particularly with BIPOC communities. Like we want to make sure that we're passing on wealth and what does wealth look like? And I was having a conversation with my good friend the other day because my mother and I have been beefing about money and what money means to us as a family. And me using money as an accelerant, right, to create generational wealth and being able to provide and buy things that will allow us to, right, accelerate our wealth, to, to, to invest. And my, my friend said the other day, he was like, when was, your mother, when was your mother born? And I was like, she was born in 1940. So basically, my mother is a child of, of, of parents who lived through the Great Depression, right, who grew up, who grew up in the rural South. Right. In North Carolina and the rural South, who were teachers who had menial, you know, you know, um, um, uh, amounts of money. You know, and I asked her yesterday, you know, as we were talking about, I was like, what, what was money like for you? And so, you know, my mother's OK with just having enough. Well, we had enough to make do. And. You know, I, my mindset for money comes from comes from a different place. Right. My mindset, you know, is how do we accelerate our money so we can make sure that I not only have means to take care of you, but I have the means to take care of our family down the road, right? All of the things that we have. And so the fight comes like the fight comes when I was like, mom, well, I need to take X amount of dollars out because there's an investment opportunity. And I can see the fear on her face, Patrick, you know, like, I don't know why, why, why are you making this investment? Why, why are you taking this money that just sits in this checking account that makes no interest at all? It just, why are you taking that? And that, that different mindset about money is like, well, if I can see that money, I know it's there. Instead of saying, well, if we invest, I can accelerate. Yes, there's some risk to this, but there's an opportunity for us to create more wealth because the house is paid for, the cars are paid for, right? We've got rental units now things like that. And the ability to accelerate the money is there if we just do the right thing or at least take some risk. But I'm fighting against a deficit mindset. And it's not like we're rich, but the ability to create wealth comes from having right that abundant mindset that money will flow to us instead of saying we have to hold on to it so tightly. Right. And it's getting out of that poverty mindset, brother that I know that your book talks about. Um, so I want to make sure just just quickly, where can people find your book? Uh, really on all venues where books are sold. Um, there's a, um, the e-version, the, the paperback version, um, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, Kindle, uh, anywhere. You just Google away up Patrick Young, you're going to get all the channels. Um, and, I, and, and what's good is uh, actually next next month uh it's the workbook of follow um so it's not only the tool for just for reading but like now if you want to really do the homework and, and write it down um let's let's use the workbook um there's a story in the bible where the people were in the wilderness for like two years and they circled this mountain over and over again and god said all right you spent enough time around this mountain it's time to move up it's time for you to change direction. <clears throat> at some point, you get tired of going around in the same circles. Right. Um, at some at some point, you should get tired of just being in the same position, the same way. And so, it's that voice telling you, "Hey, listen, you've done it. Like you've been in this, you've been in this pandemic state for two years. It's time to move up. Yeah. Right. And not and not just. And so that's why it's 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 a whole not staying on the same level and that's the thing is that we can't continue the same level you can't just keep getting in and out getting out in and out what is the thing that's going to move you up and above and so um it is seeking that higher that's that thing that that risk um when you seek that higher place and there's a thing when you look at something that's higher and something that's lower and you deciding whether you want to take that higher leap or stay low, it's called the degree of difficulty. Yes. Right? And so when you gauge the degree of difficulty in your own personal life, it's gonna say, if I can do it, I cannot do it. Well, you never know if you never try. Right. Right. There's a degree of difficulty in hurdling if you're jumping over a hurdle, right? <laughs> there's a degree, 
there's a degree of difficulty from diving off a diving board into a water, right? But if you never try, you don't know if your ability is greater than degree of difficulty. Right. Brother, you, this, so, brother, you, look, this needs to be a master class in, in itself, <laughs> right? This, right. This right here. It, it's just that there are these real life things that we see, right? The same with the telephone. We update and upgrade our technology constantly, but we stay the same, right? And it's just like, no, right? No, if a new iPhone is coming out, a new Patrick has to come out. If there's <sighs> an update to, if there's a, like, yeah, that's funny. Like, people want you, oh, Dr. Charles, you you got a show, now you change. I'm supposed to. I'm supposed to change, <laughs> right? And that's right, interesting. Yes. <laughs> interesting you say that, man, because, you know, I, I put this quote out, I think, last year, right? The version of me right now is standing on the dead versions, the past dead right. version of me. This is This is who I am. I like different things. I do different things, right? I want to go hiking in Zion Mountain National Park, right? That wasn't something that Charles did 30 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, right? right? But so, like, I even asked myself this morning, I was like, what is fun? Because I went out last night and I was like, this is this used to be fun for me. It's not fun anymore, right? So there's this evolution of what fun is, all right? And I've got to figure out from that degree of difficulty, what that looks like to challenge myself. Well, let's try some new things. Let's let's because I'm in essence, Patrick, I'm bored. And so that means right. that means that when you get bored, that means it's time for a revolution. It's time for it's time to find a way up. Right. Right. That That's what it is. Let me ask you this one question. Right. Because our time our, our time is coming short. Talk about the importance of your wife. Right. And um, what, what she has made to you and what you're doing. I think it's um, the the person again. Um, the person that you are with, they should inspire you too as well, right? And so having someone who um, inspires you to and motivates you to, to to want to to grow and expand. And so she works for um, Kevin Hart. Um, and she's been in the film industry for about 12 years. And so her, um, just her ability to, um, get into this industry and expand, but then in the pairing of our relationship, seeing you where you are and the potential and saying, oh, as I'm coming out of incarceration and she's working on Django and working on these movies and all these other things with all these celebrities, your self-esteem can be like, am I enough? Um, do I compare? And as a man, you can kind of feel a way. And we may not talk about it openly with other people, but it is a comparison about am I enough, right? And so it is so important to have somebody that can not only validate your experience, but also support you and push you to be higher self, right? And so um I think what's what's and this is key because I was telling somebody the other day and I think this would be good for any audience. I think the the lie or the myth is that we choose the partner or we choose the person. Um, if you go back in the beginning, you really read through if you believe in Christianity and the way you know God set woman into play. Mm-hmm. When man was created, he was like, okay, do this work, and then God saw fit that he should have a partner. If man didn't go to God and say, hey, look, hook me up with somebody. God, man didn't say, look, God, put me on an app and let me, you know, hook me up. <laughs> like, he, didn't, he didn't say that. Man was doing the work and then him doing the work of following his assignment and what he was called to do. God saw the blessing and hooking him up with a partner, giving him an extra chess piece. Right. And mm-hmm. so. I think we lose the value because we're out looking instead of us concentrating on ourselves and doing our work. And then the ability of us moving our work, if you love yourself, you'll strive to become better. When you become better, everything's around you becomes better as well. You're going to draw that energy. Yeah. You're going to see that person is going to come and is going to be a helpful person on your board, not something that's going to take away, but something's going to help you move forward. 
And I think it's so key that we do that because we're looking for these things and we look at, oh, I like her, I like this and stuff like that. And it's not designed by that. It's not designed for you to just go out and seek, right? I think it's designed for it to be aligned in spirit. And yeah. so, um, and so that that's that's key and I've, I've taken from the relationships and stuff that I have and my just just best guidance on other people who are looking for relationships. No, look within yourself, build yourself, do your work. And then I'm telling you, God is going to see fit. Let me, I know what you need. I know what you need. And that's so when Adam turned around, he was flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. That's a good one. <laughs> so, but it was a sign. It was ordained because the guy was doing his work and being obedient. And sometimes, yeah, we have to follow that obedience, you know? Yeah. Patrick, look, brother, look, I, I can't wait to go back to listen to this show and watch this show myself, brother. Like, look, I, I knew, look, I knew, I knew it was going to be fire. This is why I do this show, Revolutionaries. This is why I do this show, because I get to, look, I get to talk to my friends who are dope as, well, yeah, you know exactly what the next word is. But, Patrick, I'm so happy for all the success, man. And and I, I look forward to that 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 bestseller that comes for a, a way up and, you know, to be able to interview bestselling author Patrick Young and his wonderful book, you know, talking about economic development post incarceration. But I think this is going to be a a like one of those, you know, read alls for everyone as you're trying to think through how to become and find right the best version of yourself and embrace that and then the principles of a way up will allow you to be self-aware and then map out how you need to think about what you want to be right the gps as he taught as he's talked about right this is the gps right here starting with the way up so i wish you tremendous success in any way that we can promote your book here at what's a revolution don't be don't hesitate to ask because we've got you uh, former Kellogg alumni, you know, actually, you're still a Kellogg alumni. We're both Kellogg alumni, Kellogg, Kellogg fellows, right? That is the watershed moment of my life, man. I will always talk about, you know, what that has gave me and the impetus for what's your revolution is because of Kellogg. So we must thank them, you know, for all that they have given us, brother. Um, any last words, brother? Anything you'd like to say our, to our revolutionaries? Well, let's not just hold it in a book. Let's keep the conversation alive. Um, my website is raiseyourbarllc.com and you can reach out. We can have virtual conversations, live conversations. You know, the world is opening back up. If we really want to talk about this and really bring it, we have to have the discussion and we also have to have, again, bring the proof of concept. Let's take it from out of the book and make it come alive into reality, you know? And so um, I'm open to having not only conversation again with you, but whoever may be listening and like, you know, I want to know more. Let's reach out. Let's have the conversation and let's find a way up, not just a way out. Ah, I love it. Revolutionaries, look, we know you're doing your thing. We're coming out. You know, the ability to, to sit in place with each other, to laugh. I was at South by Southwest, man, had a, a, a wonderful time with folks, right? Thinking about what the good people at Camelback Ventures are doing with uh, amazing BIPOC founders and what they're trying to revolutionize in the world. It's just good to be in space. So I ask you to be careful, love on your loved ones as much as you can, love yourself, right? And find the revolution within yourself so that we can be a better world. I love you. Take care. We'll see you the next time. Peace, 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 peace. peace, 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 peace.
start just holding it in a book. Let's keep the conversation alive. Um, my website is raiseyourbarllc.com. And you can reach out. We can have virtual conversations, live conversations. You know, the world is opening back up. If we really want to talk about this and really bring it, we have to have the discussion. And we also have to have, again, bring the proof of concept. Let's take it from out of the book. Book, 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 book.